Guys, it's so great to be with you. I'm uh, Nick Van Ruth. I'm the new Young Adults Pastor at Hills Baptist. Um, can I say how great it's been to join uh, this awesome community? Um, just a few things about myself. Uh, I'm uh, married to Emily and with Josh there, who's already heard my voice and uh, wants to join me, I think. Um, uh, yeah, we're, we've been married um, seven to eight years uh, and uh, Josh is one and a half um, I've got a Canadian accent, so that's why I sound a little bit different. Uh, so just bear with me on that. And um, yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Now, if you're new or visiting, we're continuing in our series called One from the Heart, where all the elders and pastors are sharing something that they're passionate about, sharing so- something from the heart to equip and, uh, and um, uh, inspire God's people. So if you uh, remember from when I've been interviewed, or I've, I've said this line a lot, it certainly came up a bit in my interviews. Um, I'm passionate about equipping God's people to live out their faith in whatever context they're in. That's what I'm passionate about. Now, I can't talk about all that because then we'll be here for far too long. So I thought I'd hone that down to having faith in difficult times. Having faith in difficult times. Now, a guy who knows... How hard life can get is a guy called Horatio Spafford. Now, who knows what hymn Horatio wrote? Anyone? Yeah? I'll give you a clue. You sang it last week. Uh, yeah, that's right, as well. And we're going to sing it a bit later. So, the story behind that hymn is actually quite fascinating. Horatio was actually a really prominent Christian lawyer. He was um, quite successful, he had a large family. Uh, everything was going well for him, but then things took Uh, A turn, And in um, 1871, uh, the great Chicago fire uh, burned through uh, all his properties and he lost uh, pretty much everything. Um, Later that year, it only just got worse when his only son died of scarlet fever. And from there, it just kept getting worse and worse. Uh, Two years later, he sent his family ahead of him on a trip to England. And on that ship, traveling across uh, the sea, Uh, It was struck and it sank. And Horatio would have heard about this, waiting to hear about uh, what happened to his wife and four daughters till finally he got a telegram from his wife, saved alone. His four daughters perished with the boat. And so how could Horatio trust God when things kept getting worse and worse and worse? And as things kept getting worse, he would have prayed, uh, but it would have seen as if the heavens were silent. How do you trust God when the heavens are silent? Now, I've been through um, a few things myself, but I'm still young. And I know there's some here who've been through incredible suffering that I couldn't even imagine. And I don't want to pretend to be able to tell you what you need to do or anything like that. But I want to draw our attention to two women from the Bible uh, and have a look at their experience and how uh, that can help us uh, think about that question. How do we trust God when the heavens are silent? So we're going to read from John 11 and we're going to explore it from the perspective of Mary and Martha, who were uh, Jesus' close friends. Uh, We're going to explore their situation Think about how they might have, uh, what they might have felt and desired from Jesus. We're going to listen in to an interaction between Martha and Jesus. And then we're going to look at what they witnessed 
and what that points us to. So uh, if you have a Bible, open it up. It'll be on the screen as well. John 11, it's page 106, oh, sorry, 1697 in this Bible. Uh, so that probably doesn't help you very much. Uh, but do open, open that up and we'll read uh, just the first 16 verses together. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell him, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I'm, I was not there so that you may believe. Now, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. So that's the first part of the story. And in it, we see uh, Mary and Martha uh, send for Jesus because their brother is sick. They must have heard of all the miracles Jesus had been doing uh, throughout the wider um, Israelite area. And hearing that um, Jesus was healing uh, strangers, healing the blind, healing um, the lame, everyone. And, and surely they would have thought, if Jesus heals strangers, surely Jesus would heal uh, Lazarus, our brother, who Jesus loves. Now, it's not like now where you just grab your mobile and call and you know, Jesus would hop on a plane straight over. They had to send someone to go find Jesus. And uh, Jesus was about two days' journey from where they were, so they sent a messenger out to find him. They had to stay and take care of Lazarus. So they send this messenger who goes and shares uh, with Jesus that Lazarus is sick and asks Jesus to come back with him. But Jesus stays two days before he returns. So Mary and Martha are back waiting to hear uh, from Jesus and waiting for the messenger to return with Jesus. And I imagine um, as they're uh, in their house caring for Lazarus, they'd be looking out the window, looking at the horizon, waiting for when the messenger would return with Jesus. And after some time, they see in the distance a man approaching and it's the messenger, but he's alone. And I imagine... You know, as day turns to night, Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies. Where was Jesus? If only Jesus had actually come, he could have healed Lazarus. Their brother would would have been all right. 
They were praying for Jesus to come and intervene and heal their brother. But the heavens were silent. So it's maybe some of, some of us might be in a similar situation to Mary and Martha. We might have a sick relative or we're praying for uh, healing, but nothing is happening. It might be our own struggle with health, with chronic disease or mental health, or, or it might be a job situation or a conflict we're caught up in, or a relationship uh, that needs uh, reconciliation. And we, we think surely God would step in and help us. Surely God would step in and heal us. But when that doesn't happen, it feels like the heavens are silent. How can we trust God in situations like that? Now, this might not be you. It may have happened to you in the past, something like this, or it might happen to you in the future. But either way, um, you can imagine the anguish that Mary and Martha would be going through. But keep listening because there's more to this story. The heavens were silent, but God had a bigger plan. Now, I wonder what Mary and Martha would have been feeling, uh, would have been thinking. I wonder if um, Mary and Martha, sorry, why Mary and Martha thought Jesus was delayed. You know, perhaps they thought that he was too busy to get involved with their problems, that he was idle or even lazy to come. Now, Jesus was not idle in waiting those two days. Uh, When it finally came, when he did decide to come to Judea, he said to his disciples, let's go. And they said, no, there's people there trying to kill you, Jesus. Don't don't go there. Our lives will be a risk. Don't go. But Jesus was determined to go. He was determined. He called out his disciples in verse 9, saying, while it's still daytime, let's go. Let's do God's work while it's light. So God is not idle. God is able. And maybe Mary and Martha thought, like we tend to think sometimes, that because their situation is so hard, it's because God doesn't care. And God doesn't love them. Perhaps they thought that Jesus was indifferent, that he didn't care for Lazarus or for them. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Later on in the story, when Jesus arrives at at the gravesite with Mary and Martha, he sees them weeping. And then there's that famous short verse where it says, Jesus wept. And the Jews looking in saw this and they said, see how he loved Lazarus. See how he loved Lazarus. When God's people suffer, it breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart. God is not okay with our pain. God's not okay with our sickness, our hurting, or he's not okay with death. God is not indifferent. God is love. And perhaps you know Mary and Martha wouldn't have thought this, but we can think sometimes when things get hard, We might think, is God even there? Is God even real? Does God even exist if things are so hard for me? Now, we might think that, but we know from our story, we'll see uh, later that even when the heavens are silent, God is not idle. God is not indifferent. God is not absent. But God is working. God is working, whether we realize it or not. And it's not not to our idea of how we want things to be solved, but to his 
bigger plans. Now Mary and Martha had their idea how they wanted Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. They wanted Jesus to, to drop whatever he was doing straight away and travel to Bethany where they were and heal Lazarus. They wanted to get him back. They wanted things back to the way they were. They wanted uh, to no longer have to care for their uh, sick, dying brother and all the, the hurt and anguish that came with that. You hear it by how many times both Mary and Martha keep saying to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been there, my brother would have not died. They wanted healing. They wanted happiness. But they couldn't see how Lazarus' death was part of God's plan. They thought Jesus had failed. But Jesus saw the bigger picture. Jesus saw the bigger picture and he planned something so much greater. Have a look, if you've got a Bible, at how Jesus responds when he hears of Lazarus' illness in verse 4. He says, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The goal is not that the helpless would be happy, but that God would be glorified. That is the goal. So sometimes sometimes I think we can come to God a bit like Mary and Martha and come with solutions rather than problems. And now what I mean by that is sometimes we can go to God and we, we share our problem, then we tell God how we want him to solve it. So God, my job situation is so difficult. Please let me get that other job I've applied for. Or God, I'm sick and in pain. Please heal me so I can get on with my life. God, I'm, I'm, I'm lonely and I want a par- partner. Please provide me a partner so I wouldn't be lonely. And when, when things don't happen the way we ask God to do, we think God has failed. You know, no wonder the heavens are silent when we're only listening out for our solution. But like Jesus had with Mary and Martha, God has a bigger plan. God is working to something so much greater than what we could come up with. The heavens may feel silent, but in heaven, God is moving and working according to his plan and not our solution. So let's let's keep reading what happens in our story. If you want to pick up again, it'll be on the screen. John 11 from verse 17. We'll read the next 10 verses. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany is less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's come into the world. 
Now Martha, on hearing that Jesus has arrived, he goes out. So she goes out to meet him. And uh, I think uh, it's a helpful reminder for us that at times when things are tough, the best thing we can do is go and seek Jesus. Seek him out in his word, amongst his people, uh, in worship, to soak ourselves in God's word. And that's what Martha does. Have a look at verse 21. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So even though she, she thinks Jesus has failed, she trusts that he, as God's son, God can do so, still do something here. And so Jesus says back to Martha, your brother will rise again. To which Martha replies, oh yes, I know he'll rise again uh, in the resurrection on the last day. And she's, what she's referring to there is this Jewish belief that um, all God's people will rise at the end of time and inherit uh, the land forever. And um, for, for a lot of Jews at the time, that was uh, the equivalent of saying, um, yes, I know our loved ones are up there looking over us. You know, it's, it's hypothetical. It's a, a theoretical and abstract concept to comfort the grieving. But what Jesus is talking about here, what Jesus is talking about is not hypothetical. It's not theoretical or abstract. What Jesus is talking about is concrete and real. He says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus is using this event, this moment of suffering in Martha and Mary's life to reveal who he is, to reveal his character and his promise. He says to Martha, whoever believes in me, though they die, they shall live. And whoever lives in me and believes in me shall never die. Jesus promises that he will conquer the greatest enemy that humanity's ever faced. The greatest fear, the greatest darkness that every human faces. This is who Jesus is. He is the resurrection and the life. This is how Jesus reveals who he is. Had Jesus returned in time uh, while Lazarus was still sick, then Jesus could have said, I'm the healer, I'm the great healer, because he healed Lazarus. And he is a healer, and he, and he does heal, but he's so much more than that. He's so much more than that. And we'll see what he does uh, later. But it's through suffering that God reveals to us who he is. And sometimes it takes God bringing us through even harder suffering to reveal his even greater character. So what is God trying to reveal to you about himself now, today? If the heavens are silent for you, could it be that God has something even greater in store for you? Now Jesus uses this moment of suffering in Mary and Martha's life to reveal his character and promise, but he also uses it to invite Martha to believe in him. Jesus says to Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that it's only through Jesus we can have life? Because he is the resurrection and the life. You know, those of us here, do we believe this? Do we believe it? 
It's through suffering that God reveals to us his character and promise, and he invites us to trust in him through that. Now, if it wasn't hard, if it didn't take suffering, or if it, if it was just easy for us, would it really be faith? Sometimes the longer things go, the harder things get, the more faith it requires to trust in God when the heavens are silent. You know, it would have taken Mary and Martha a lot of faith to believe in Jesus, uh, to heal their brother, and even more to trust in Jesus when everything was falling apart and Lazarus died. God grows our faith through suffering. And if Jesus had come straight away and Lazarus had been healed, would it have taken as much faith for Martha to say, Yes, Lord, I believe in you, that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So we've explored what Martha and Mary would have, their situation, what they would have felt and desired, and, and kind of listened in on this interaction between Martha and Jesus. Let's have a look at what happens. What does Jesus actually do? So we'll skip ahead to verse 38. Uh, If you want to read, it'll be on the screen again. Uh, John 11, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had, not come, sorry, who had come to visit Mary, and they'd seen what Jesus did, and they believed in him. So Jesus goes with Mary and Martha to the grave of Lazarus. And imagine, imagine the scene. So here they were, they were waiting for Jesus to come and heal Lazarus, but he was delayed, Lazarus died, and he was buried. And four days later, Jesus arrives, and he's standing in front of the grave, and then Lazarus is as dead as the stone covering his grave. And Jesus asks you to remove the stone. Have you ever reached that point of hopelessness, of you felt that you're in front of a closed grave, that um, a situation with so little hope. You might be suffering for years and things keep getting worse and worse and worse. It might be like Horatius' situation where he'd lost everything. The heavens are silent and in this deepest, darkest moment of despair, Jesus asks you to have faith, to remove the stone, to be obedient to him. It's that situation, like I said before, that requires the most faith. But it's in that situation that God is most glorified. So what would you do? 
Well, for, for Mary and Martha in this deepest, darkest moment of despair, they have faith and they know that Jesus is the son of God. They trust that God will do whatever he asks. So they remove the stone. They remove the stone. And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out of the grave, Lazarus emerges. They didn't need to go in and collect him. He walked himself out. There he was in front of them, living, breathing, walking. In the deepest, darkest moment of despair, this led to the greatest demonstration of the power of Christ. He's the power to give life to the dead. And this, this profound miracle, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, this profound miracle is one of many in John's gospel, and he refers to them as signs. Now, the thing about signs is you don't go up to a sign and you stay there. You go to where it's pointing. And this sign, this miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, of Lazarus walking out of the grave, is a sign that points us forward to when someone else walks out of the grave. So, and that's Jesus. Though he was, he was perfect and, and innocent, Jesus was tortured. He was crucified. He, he died and was buried. And here was the Son of God sent to deliver his people and he was in the ground, covered for two, for, sorry, for three days. For three days, the heavens were silent. But in that deepest, darkest moment of despair, Jesus defeated death once and for all by walking out of the grave. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus himself was resurrected. And it's in that resurrection power that we all can have life. Paul the Apostle, quoting one Corinthians, sorry, reading, writing 1 Corinthians 15, I'm quoting it now, um, he says this, Death has been swallowed up forever. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Apart from Christ, apart from Jesus, death is scary. Death has no hope. But in Christ, death is defeated. Sin is forgiven. The law is fulfilled. And Christians have victory. We have a place with God where we'll be with him forever. With no more death. No more pain. No suffering. We'll be with God forever. In victory. So when Lazarus was in the grave for four days... And for Mary and Martha, the heavens were silent. Jesus had a greater plan to reveal his promises for them and to a greater victory. When Jesus was on the cross and then he was buried and for three days, the heavens were silent. What was God doing? But he had a greater plan to show his promises fulfilled and his son glorified and bring victory over death for Jesus and all who would believe in him. The deepest, darkest moment of despair requires the greatest faith. But this is the moment that God will be most glorified, that God would demonstrate his greatest power. And so whatever we might go through now or in the future, even if you're at the end of your rope like Mary and Martha, standing in front of a closed grave, 
And you pray and you pray and the heavens are silent. That's the moment to trust God. Because you can be sure that though the heavens are silent, we can be confident God is working. And that God has worked. That through Christ, death is defeated and we have victory through him. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He was resurrected and through him we have life. So whatever it is, in the past, present or future, when things keep getting worse and worse and worse and the heavens are silent, trust in God. When the heavens are silent, trusting in God means not pulling away from uh, God, but pulling into him when things get tough. When the heavens are silent, trusting God is not thinking that God doesn't love us or that he can't solve our problems, but knowing that he loves us beyond what we could ever imagine and that he's got a greater plan to deliver us. His plan, not ours. When the heavens are silent and things are tough, trusting God means not skipping church because you feel distant, but making it a priority so that you can be encouraged by God's word and by God's people. When the heavens are silent, trusting God means not putting on a mask, pretending that everything is okay, but realizing that it's okay to not be okay. And that this church community is here for you, to love you, to care for you, to pray for you. When the heavens are silent, trusting God means not using this as an excuse to turn to other things for comfort that you know will only help in the short term, but harm in the long by seeking comfort in God and who he is and what he's done for you and will do for you. When the heavens are silent, trusting God means not defining yourself by how you're broken, but defining yourself by how God has made us whole. As hard as it is, in the moment of deepest, darkest despair, we we need to trust God because he's got a greater plan to reveal to us his glory and his power, to deliver even from the greatest moment of despair we can imagine. He delivers us from death. And this is often the testimony of those who have remained faithful to God through suffering. Uh, We heard about Horatio at the beginning of my sermon, but let me tell you the ending of that. (coughs) When he reached the moment of deepest, darkest despair, in fact, on the trip that he took to England, the very moment where he passed the spot where his daughters died, he wrote these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, all the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. In the deepest, darkest moment of despair, When the heavens were silent, Horatio trusted God because he knew God had a greater plan and he knew he was delivered by God, even from death. When the heavens are silent, 
Will you trust God? Trust in Jesus. Let me pray. God, we pray and praise you for the work that you did on the cross. The, the, the suffering you endured. You know, God, you, you are not okay with our suffering. You're not okay with death so much so that you actually did something about it. You sent Jesus, your son, to earth to die, to take the sin and all the brokenness away from us and make us whole. And God, you raised him from the dead. In that same power, you will raise us from the dead, those who trust in you. So God, we pray that we would trust in you. When things keep getting worse and worse and worse, when things are hard, when the heavens are silent, God, help us to trust you. Remember what you have done for us, what you will do for us. Help us to rely on your promises. Help us to rely on each other as we remind each other who you are and what you've done. And God, help us to cling to Jesus, to sing just like Horatio, that it is well with our soul because our soul is with you, God. You love us, you care for us, and you have a plan for us. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.